everybody. Welcome. This is episode nine of Paper Cut for June 21st, 2021. Welcome to episode nine of Paper Cut, the Nyack Library podcast. I'm Georgia. I'm Rosemary. I'm Tracy. And we're having us repeat guest, Morgan Strand. Hi, Morgan. Hi. Hey, hey Morgan. <laughs> Do you want to remind everybody who you are? Oh, yes, that would be important, right? Okay. So, hi, everyone. I am Morgan Strand. I am the teen services specialist here at the library. So I oversee all the stuff in the teen room. And I look forward to seeing everybody soon. And this episode is Pride Month. So we're going to be discussing The Black Flamingo by Dean Atta. And before we get into the book, uh, just going to ask Morgan if she has anything she'd like to update us on that's about to happen in teen room and youth services. Um, yeah, so the summer reading program is starting soon for, there's one for children, there's one for teen, and there's one for adults, but I'm going to focus on the teen one. So the teen summer reading program officially kicks off on Monday, June 28th. So the teens or their caregivers can come in and sign up and they'll be given a bag that has all the information and supplies they need to participate in the summer reading program. Uh, it'll also have like the flyers for the programs. It'll have all the information and also a bag of candy, which is like all that matters really. And um, any teen in entering grades six through 12 that participates will get extra credit in the fall from their English teacher. So what I'm doing is compiling a list of everyone who does at least one book review, which is like three sentences. And I'm gonna talk to all the English teachers, make sure that they have the list so that everyone gets their extra credit. Because we all know that's what they care about. That's it, candy, candy and extra credit. Yeah. Oh, and if you participate in the summer reading program, you have a chance to win the grand prize, which is a Nintendo Switch. And then the three top readers get a $100 gift card, $50 gift card, or a $25 gift card. So, you know, you can win with reading (laughs) (laughs) in more ways than one, you know, so just saying. That's a really good uh, grand prize. That's really. I want it for myself. (laughs) Can I just say, also going to stick in here that uh, we're doing adult summer reading and ours is a little um, less elaborate. There's no candy, unfortunately, involved, but there are prizes. We're running it from July 6th through July 31st, which is four weeks exactly. And we're asking people to use Read Squared, which is online, or you can get the app for your phone to uh, review books and attend programs. And um, each week we're gonna give out a gift card to a local restaurant or cafe for the person who does, you know, gets the most points basically by reading and attending programs. And then at the end, we're going to have a grand prize which is a Kindle Fire, I believe, right? Nice. Yes. Yes. Okay. Okay, cool. So, uh, hi everyone, it's Georgia again, I am back. Okay, so uh, like Tracy said, we are going to be talking about the book, The Black Flamingo by Dean Adda. I'm going to give a little synopsis of the book. We thought it would be a fun way to celebrate Pride Month by doing a book discussion format, which we haven't done before. 
Um, but we thought it would be a good way to bring up a lot of the things that we would like to talk about anyway in related to Pride Month. And obviously, we work in a library. We love to read and discuss books. We want to encourage anyone who has not read the book to read it, even if you listen to the podcast. Hopefully, listening to this will not deter you. The story is beautiful. The writing is beautiful, or at least I thought so. Uh, so we'll get into that. Um, okay, so The Black Flamingo. It is a young adult novel written in verse, a.k.a. Uh, written in poems. It was awarded the Stonewall Book Award in 2020, which is an award, uh, an annual award that recognizes exceptional merit relating to the gay, lesbian, bisexual, transgender experience in English language books published in the U.S. So we thought that it would be a good story and also it seemed to have a pretty diverse main character, which is what we wanted to go for. So the book is about Michael, who is a half Jamaican, half Greek boy growing up in the UK. I think he lives in London. He realizes early on that being mixed race makes him different as he feels like he's not black enough for some of his family and not Greek enough for other people in his family. Also from an early age, he realizes there's something different about him, about his sexuality. He is more interested in Barbies and singing and playing with his girlfriends rather than the Ninja Turtles. He realizes he's different from other boys at school and he definitely realizes that he's different from his father's Jamaican side of the family who is very clearly not okay with homosexuality. As he gets older, Michael tries to find out who he is and where he fits in. Uh, the book follows him from when he's, I think, four years old up until when he goes to college. Uh, so yeah, so he struggles with his identity mainly because he's gay and mixed race. Uh, but when he goes to school and they call it university in the UK. So when I say university, I mean college, which I'm sure a lot of people know, but maybe you don't. Um, so when he goes to college, he discovers uh, a club called the Drag Society, and he finally feels like he is seen, he feels confident, he meets people who are like him and not like him. Um, yeah, so between his childhood and his first drag performance on stage, which is pretty much how the book ends, he goes through heartbreak, uh, dreams, boys, he makes friends, he loses friends, he experiences a lot of different things, he travels, and he he grows up. So the book was really, really beautiful. Uh, it was nice to read a book that spanned someone's basically like, you know, their entire life up until, you know, they become an adult. Uh, so Dean Ada is the author. The book is semi-autobiographical in the sense that he is also mixed race. He's half Jamaican. He's half Greek. He is also gay. He also is from the UK. Uh, but that's pretty much where it ends. That's uh, the sense I got from interviews I've read from him. Uh, he was listed by the independent newspaper as one of the 100, 100 most influential LGBT people in the UK, uh, probably um, in direct response to this book and other uh, things he has published and written to do with the LGBTQ community. So that's it. That is what the book is about. I think I covered it. Although I'm sure, you know, a lot, obviously, I'm not going to tell everybody exactly what happens in the entire book because we want you to read it. And uh, it really does a great job of describing what some experiences are like for people who are a part of that community. So we're going to start. I'm just going to ask everyone, and I'll, I'll share how I felt too, but what did you think of the book? Whoever wants to go first. I can go first. Um... So I originally listened to the book, the audio version of the book, 
And then I found out about the beautiful illustrations and I heard that it can like just completely change your view of the book. I loved it either way, but I went back and read it again, um, the actual physical book and the illustrations just add so much to it. It was just really, it was just a really compelling story. I thought it was really well written. Um, I love novels, uh, books and verse. So I thought that it was great. Um, I really have nothing negative to say about it. It was an easy read too, I thought. I was able to like finish it quickly um, in both versions. Um, and I went back and did some research on the author and just what he's about and like other things he's done. Um, he has a really famous poem that's a part of this anthology called How to Come Out as Gay. And um, I have some quotes from it. I can say them later if you want. But like, I just, I really just like him and what he does. And the book was just really, really good. Morgan, do you have the whole poem in front of you? I don't have the whole poem, but oh, okay. bits and pieces of it. Okay. Because I want, I think it would be really nice if we uh, read that at the end, but I don't have the whole thing in front of me. So if somebody wants to do that, but yes, I agree. I thought that it was amazing, just that end part. So sorry to interrupt you, but go. Um, so yeah, I thought it was really good. Oh, soft read two quotes if you want. Uh, so, so some of it was, don't worry, it's okay to say you're gay and later exchange it for something that suits you, fits and feels better. Be a bit gay, be very gay, be the glitter that shows up in unexpected places. I just thought that was really nice <laughs> so I just I really love the book um like I said it's it's not it's not an autobiography but it is really relatable to his life like you said um and just the drag stuff and I, I just recently went to my first drag show so all that came together for me and I was like this is so awesome so I loved it <laughs> I just wanted to say I actually have the book in front of me so I could read the poem at the end if you want I'll try to do it justice yeah, I felt actually you're you're a good person, I think, to read it, Rosemary, because you you know you're more the poetry person anyway, so you maybe know how. Uh, should I be have certain gravitas. Yeah, um, but yeah, um, I agree. I agree, Morgan. Like it's interesting because I thought I knew all about drag, um, but his if uh, to anyone who uh, winds up reading the book, his performance is very different than any other drag performance that I've ever heard about. So I sort of realized that drag uh, is way more uh, all encompassing than I ever thought. And it involves a lot of different types of performance beyond just lip syncing to a song and dancing. Um, it is that but there's so much more that goes into it, which they really talk about in this book, which I, I loved but um, Rosemary, if you want to go next, sorry, I kind of cut you off. No, that's okay. I also loved it. And I don't read a lot of YA books right now in my life or a lot of books in verse, um, but I'm glad I, I'll definitely be checking more both of those categories out because uh, I just really, I loved how it's, it's in verse, but it's not, he's not forcing it. And I also loved how there's the story in verse and then there's his actual poems that the character writes while he's in his moleskin notebook that his, I think his mom gives them at some point um, that I, and they're in italics to set them off. And I thought that was really well done. And they were, I mean, they're great poems. I think this author started off, obviously he writes po poetry, ex not exclusively, but that's his primary medium. And I think he's, I, I'd love to hear him read. I've never, I don't know, Morgan, if you found any recordings of him. Did he, did he read his book? Is the audiobook? I've, I, um, 
Oh, I don't know if that was him. Mm-hmm. He read the, I found on YouTube him reading the, the poem. Okay. Um, so yeah, um, it, he's, he's good. Yeah, because I think he's known for his, his poetry readings, his live readings yes, too. they say yeah. it like, and then I was like looking into it more and everyone's saying like, you have to see him live. Like he, you know, you have to see him. And mm-hmm. Georgia, I was gonna add to what you're saying about drag. So I read this book before I went to my first drag show. So I, I had this completely different thing in my head. And I was like, so yeah, there are many different types of drag performances. Um, I Yeah, so <laughs> it was eye-opening. It's funny because in reality, uh, the, the drag portion of the book is kind of a small portion. Like the book is really about his life. And then finally at the end, he finds this, this club and he really like meets his people and finds his place, but that, you know, it's not till the end. So I, I just really loved sort of like the diversity of the story, how it's not just about one thing. It just sort of, I don't know. It, it was a lot. It was everything to me. Yeah. The, the, the characters are really incredibly complex from the very get-go, you know, like no one was this hallmark cartoon version of like, even his mom, his mom loved, obviously loved him and she was very accepting of him and she just wanted him to be who he was. But she still didn't quite understand his whole being. I mean, it's part of that poem that we're gonna read at the end, but like when when he comes out to her, she immediately is like asking, tells him he has to use condoms (laughs) which is like a very it's I mean it's a very mom thing to do because you want your kid to be safe and you're thinking all about all the forces out there in the world that are going to be you know coming down on him because of who he is but um and his his best friend Daisy is such a great character and um she's she en- ends up well we probably shouldn't spoil it but, but she goes through her, you know, but she goes through her own changes and it, like everyone has their flaws and their strengths and their weaknesses and he does it so well with so you know in a very you know say writing in verse and not he doesn't belabor any points. He just draws these characters and he lets them tell the story and he doesn't give you all this like backstory and, you know, exposition. It's just, it flows really well. And um, all of them were very, I could see everybody so clearly too in my head. I was telling Georgia before we started, I was like, while well, I was reading this and this is sort of a symptom of too much TV I've been watching, but I keep imagining things as films or, or series on Netflix. And like, this would be a great, movie i think it definitely is very visual and maybe he's working on it who knows i i hope but uh but i I, I totally enjoyed reading it it was great i um i wrote down that one of the things that i really loved about the book was um the celebration of blackness and queerness and um i really love the representation of all the characters like you said rosemary and i love like how descriptive the author was and also just like Michael's family and then like his friends who like became his family like everyone's character was so descriptive I I did the same thing like I was picturing people in my head and at the end I was like okay this needs to be a show or a movie I would be okay with a movie because sometimes the shows go to you know but yeah it needs to be something and I did appreciate I really did appreciate the blackness and the queerness and that they you know, that he, he owned his blackness, well, both sides, but you know, that, you know, and I think sometimes in stories with characters that are mixed gen, like mixed race, 
that part gets lost sometimes. And I think that this one stayed so on course with everything. Yeah, yeah. I kind of echoing what you guys were saying. I really liked it. I I was telling Jordan when he first picked it out. I was like, oh, it's in verse because I usually will look at a book in verse and not put it down. Um, but I really, really like this. Um, it'll definitely make me pick up another book in verse. And I liked it. It was a quick read, but it, like you guys were saying, the characters were so um, developed. And like I liked how he had little subtle things, like um, when they go to the the uh, club with their friend and they get kicked out and she gets to stay. And it's making a point but it's not like hitting you over the head of what it's trying to say it's just a very subtle nod to what just happened there and even with um and how daisy has that whole turnaround too and i also could relate to some of the um like the jamaican part of it for sure i could i i got what his, his father's family's that whole background and where that was going but i like how he didn't really spell it out it just kind of you don't really know why the father just wanted nothing to do with him but i you know it's a really, really good book. Um, he he did a really good job, Tracy, just to go off what you're saying, a really good job of um, showing and not telling. Yeah. I also think he did a great job of, you felt like you were inside of Michael's body looking out through his eyes. And there's these little touches, like the scene that you mentioned, Tracy, or referred to, I think it's Sienna and Lenny or Lonnie, who's his friend um, from college. Lenny? I think Lenny. Lenny. Um, when they go to the club together and uh, he, he talks about Sienna bringing him out on the dance floor and dancing with him in her high heels. And he says, like, I'm in a sea of white women in jumpsuits, <laughs> you know, and he, and he's trying to, like, figure out where, like, where he fits in. And I like this. I like the bit where he, you know, and I, a lot of people do, I know I did this when I first went away to college is you're trying out different clubs, like you're trying on different identities, even though mine was, you know, relatively set compared to his, you're still always trying to see who you can be a different person than, because no one, like, at least where, where I'm concerned and where he was concerned is like, nobody knows you. So it's like, oh, I get to change. I can be who I want. No one knows my past. And he's going to those different clubs and trying to see, like, you know, he talks about, I'm not not black enough for the the African Caribbean club. I'm not Greek enough for the the Hellenic club. I'm not gay enough for the for the LGBTQ club. And um, but he manages to pull it all together and realize that whatever even he is the, is enough. You know, even the part where he's talking about how he has the dreads and how he like doesn't want people to think he's a stereotype so he's like should I cut my dreads should I not have I could totally relate to not wanting to be the Jamaican Bob Marley stereotype but then he also likes his hair that way so it's like a weird line he has to go back and forth between yeah what another thing I really liked about this book was so like like I said it has everything in it there is race there's sexuality there's homophobia there's internalized homophobia uh gender pronouns like you know drag representation modern dating culture like everything gets talked about in this book in a very great way and the characters are all great but there's no how do I put this there's no villain in the story even the characters who are doing things that you might not agree with everybody sort of has their own uh realization and I just think that that helped that helped create super realistic characters you know nobody is evil there are people who just think differently and if you just try to educate them they can come around obviously this is not always true in the real world but I really liked that about this 
book because I think that we all have people in our lives who toe the line or they say things that maybe you think are kind of offensive or not right or that you don't agree with, especially when it comes to LGBTQ issues. So I felt like everybody, he did a really great job of making characters who maybe were not exactly in line with what Michael thought, but he still was able to coexist with them, which I think is amazing and something that we all could learn from, obviously, peace on earth, but. <laughs> um, oh, okay, so everybody liked the book. Well, that is good to know because I'm, the, reason, the reason why we wound up picking it was because we wanted to pick a book about someone who was slightly more diverse. We kind of went back and forth about what book to pick. Um, and this is the one that we landed on. I sort of half bullied everybody into reading it. So I'm sorry because nobody wanted to read a novel in verse, but I love them. Sign me up. I'll well, no, I was the one that was like, we're reading this one. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. So I'm glad that everybody got on board. Um, so we could talk about a lot of different things with this, but something that I'll bring up now, especially since Morgan, you are here. So there's been a lot in the media about LGBT education in schools. Um, so I guess I just kind of wanted to have a sense of what everyone's thoughts on this were, uh, you know, there's obviously been, you know, some people don't think that we need to talk about these things in schools or have LGBTQ books on the shelves, you know, in libraries and schools, uh, there have been protests, there's been pushback, uh, example, uh, just for example, um, with like drag, drag, drag queen story times. Um, so I just wanted to get a sense of what everyone thought about this. And Morgan, since we are having a drag queen story time in the children's room this summer, I want to know if you had any thoughts about that. Um, okay, so first, yes, we are having a drag queen story time. I am excited about that. That's in conjunction with the Pride Center. Uh, they are providing the queens. And that's part of the reason why I went to the drag show because I wanted to see them, you know, before this. And I am even more excited now because it was so cool. Um, how do I feel about this being uh, LGBTQ education being taught in school? I think that it's important. I just, I think it's important just like sex education. I think that when you don't teach people things that's when they go out in the world confused and staring and you know, everything else. And you want your children to be educated. I think that everything should be age appropriate. I think that if they're going to teach it in elementary school, it should be age appropriate and the same with high school and so on, you know, because you don't want to, you know, be too intense so that they don't even get what you're saying to them. But I do think it's important to have the lessons. I don't know. I really don't, I don't really get uh, not having the books in the libraries um, because people should be allowed to read what they want to read. You know, you want people to have access. You don't want to be discriminating. You don't want to be holding people back. You know, we're supposed to just provide the things that the people want. As long as it's not hurting anyone, then I don't see the, the issue with that. Um, I personally like to, I like to get as much of a variety of things as I can for the teen room. I check all like the lists that are out, but I also ask the teens. Like, what are you into when they come in the room? Like, what are you looking for? Because they're the ones that come to my library. So I want to make sure that we have what they want and what their friends want. And so that even if they don't come in physically to the library, if they want to put the book on hold and come, you know, get it, they have the choice. So I think that everyone should have a choice and be given the options in the books and the literature and the audiobooks and the DVDs, everything. I think that it, there should be tons of options for everybody. I agree. And I also think as far as, I mean, there's the issue, and this comes up a lot 
with any sort of group that's considered different or marginalized in our society, like teaching the history of people who happen to fall under a particular category or the movements that arose from, you know, um, uh, Stonewall and Pride and also the AIDS epidemic and ACT UP uh, especially. Um, I think it's important to teach, to include women, African-American history, LGBTQ history in a normal, a regular curriculum because then people feel seen and like, and they've been here, people of all different categories or groups or whatever you want to call it, have been here since, you know, the very beginning of the country and to not include them and not to make it like, a, I mean, right now it's, they're get, it's getting better, but it's usually just like, okay, we focus on one little thing like little event that happened like maybe they'll talk about the stonewall uprising in high school in a, a you know american history class um or they refer to a specific you know usually it's something uh explosive and then they sort of say like okay then everything was fine and then we move on <laughs> so uh it's sort of just these little rent not random but these isolated figures like the you know figureheads um famous people or these explosive events but they don't show the thread of people's lives throughout history and i think not only is it you know doing a disservice to everyone at in regards to their education as human beings but it's also it, it perpetuates this myth of like history is made by great men great white men <laughs> in, in in the the uh, world of american history and it, it disempowers people and it, it makes history less interesting. I think history is, is stories about human beings basically. And a lot of kids I know think history is boring or dry and it, it's partly because of textbooks. I mean, if you have a good teacher, they can rise above all of that but they really need different materials. And um, there's a lot of fear, people have such, you know, Fear, strange twisted fears about even talking about someone who's gay. And um, there's a lot of threads in there, but <laughs> I know we could go into all that. But yeah, I think his, like, and obviously having novels and poetry and music and just permeate, it's just, just have it there available to people is important. But I do, I have to say like having two teenagers myself, like I have a lot more hope for, the future because of how kids today feel about and deal with these particular issues and it's it's to them it's like it's no big deal oh, <laughs> they're so they're on a whole other like, level whole it is other so level. cool like I could never they're so cool like about everything I like it's just different but I I agree with you Rosemary and I think it's just like it's like Black History Month right like why is the focus on one month it should just be a part of history lessons, right? So that it's more normalized. Like it's like, and then and then it's and then not focus on just what Harriet Tubman, like Martin Luther King, Rosa Parks. There's more to Black history and history in general than those three people, right? So the same thing with the LGBTQ history. They need to just normalize putting it into regular lessons so that it's not so like, oh, you know what's coming in June. Oh, you know what's coming in February. You know, like it just needs to be a part of the curriculum. The curriculum in general needs to change because it is really just old white men. And that's not really what the reality of our history. 
Um, yeah, I agree. And yes, teens and tweens are so much cooler and so much more down than we were. <laughs> and they're just like, oh yeah, whatever, you know? And to us, it's like a learning curve, but to them, it's like, no, no, this is what it is. I love that. Plus I think like libraries are for everyone, not just the people who are the loudest or the people who complain the most. Like we were talking about it in the SIG, Morgan, people need to see themselves in the books they read. Like I didn't right. see myself in a book until college, but some people may have seen their, always seen themselves in a book. So I think you need to create, have a diverse collection of books. So that way, like some kid who may not be comfortable talking about their sexuality, but they could at least go get a book and read about it and see that they're, you know, not some strange thing that needs to be, you know, separate, if that makes sense. Right. It makes perfect sense. And I, and I had actually thought about that when we were talking about using this book, because Michael doesn't fit into one perfect box, right? So like this book is like for those kids, those teens or like, you know, young adults who feel like they don't fit into one category, one term, like, you know, you don't have to fit into a perfect box. You are just you and that's all that matters. And yeah, I think it's important to see books that reflect you, whoever you may be. And yeah. Yeah. So that's actually something that I wanted to talk about. So I'll bring that up now because I feel like uh, what I mean, like what I personally want to talk about with this book. And I think that uh, what is sort of like the topic of the day. So anyway, so like identity uh, impacts Michael in many ways with his mixed heritage, his sexuality, his family roles. He's got a lot going on. Um, So and then there's also the issue that he has and every single character seems to have with self-identity and Morgan, like you were saying, the boxes that other people put you in or the boxes that previously existed in, you know, like you're either get, you know, you're gay or you're um, a lesbian or you are bisexual or you are transsexual and you can't be, it's like everyone has like this sort of definition. So I kind of wanted to talk about um, identity and you guys can um, chime in. Uh, so yeah, I feel like that's kind of like where the topic in this community is right now, like where the focus is. It's not just necessarily about like, is it okay to, you know, be gay and be out? It's sort of about identity and fluidity, especially, um, and acceptance for fluidity. I think that the, the younger generation does a really great job of that, but I think older people, um, have a hard time with it. And, I, I mean, I experienced this. I am someone who has um, uh, my grandmothers, they're lesbians, although I'm sure they'd never call themselves that. But, and you know, they're very progressive people, but even they sometimes will have conversations with them about, uh, for example, gender pronouns. And they don't understand why there has to be a they, them or this. And it's not that they, they can't wrap their head around it, but they just don't understand what, why is it necessary? Um, and it really made me talking with them about it made me think about how I feel about it and how do I think that that fits in with my life. And in a way, having your specific pronouns makes you more of an individual, like who you are, who you truly are, but also in a way it kind of makes everybody, it equalizes everybody. Um, like I was thinking about how I, I am a, you know, I am she, her, I identify that way. I've never questioned that, but it would be kind of nice if people would not recognize me in that way. If I could just be recognized as a human being, a person, 
um, because there's implicit bias that comes with putting yourself into a box and calling yourself a woman and, and identifying that way. Um, you're treated differently. Same thing for men. Um, so I, I don't know. I just feel like I really love the idea of everybody being hyper individualized, but also in a way using that to make everybody equal. Like if everybody could just realize that everyone is this fluid, um, not just with their sexuality and their gender, but you know, there are people who are mixed race or who are interested in various different things. You know, you don't have to be the nerd or the smart, you know, the cool kid or whatever. Um, so yeah, that's just, I really love that about this book. I felt like Michael's life was just in so many different places and it, but it wasn't chaotic to him. It was simple. And I think a lot of people who don't understand these issues think that they're chaotic or complicated and confusing. Um, but the reality is that they're not, it's just, that it's reality. Um, anyway, that's my whole rant on identity. I loved that whole rant. It was so perfect. Uh, yeah. I think, again, the younger generation, they're not really worried about uh, boxes or anything. They're just here and just whatever you tell me, it is what it is. Like, and someone once told me, you know, if someone tells you who they are, believe them. So that's just what I try to go with. So whatever you tell me, that's what I try to go with. Now I might, I may mess up along the way, but I'm going to respect you and try to, you know, go along with that. I do think that people are, it makes people comfortable to be able to put you in a box. People look at me and they just see a black female. That's what they see. So that's what they like to, you know, so everyone, a lot of people do that. And I think, I hope that with this younger generation and their freeness that that slowly goes away. Um, and even our, like our generation, because we're reading more, we're learning more. So we're getting more comfortable with these things. But at the same time, I can understand where your grandmas are coming from because it's just different for them. There wasn't that freedom when they were younger. So that's why they can't fathom what's happening. And it's not a bad thing. They're not angry. They're just, it's just hard for them to process because that wasn't a thing. You couldn't even do half the things that you can do now when they were younger. So yes, I get that point of view as well. Like I don't get the hate point of view. I will never understand people that are hating, but I can understand people just not getting it right away because that's not what they experienced. So yeah, but Georgia, you said it perfectly. That was really spot on what you said about like identity and fluidity and I, I loved it. Should have wrote it down. <laughs> Well, it has been recorded. Yeah, so, no. oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, <sound> like. <laughs> I would echo what Morgan just said about what you said, Georgia. That was great. Um, sort of took the words out of my mouth in a lot of ways. But yeah, I also don't. I, I like I said, I have a lot of hope for the future just from listening to my kids and how they are so just open and accepting in general. I hope that doesn't change because. I also know from talking to them that not so much the children, the kids that they're not the kids they're friends with, the kids their their age um, come from some much more conservative family backgrounds, and there's a lot of out outside forces work that's working on them. And right now, I mean, they're already working on them, but it's gonna they get stronger as you you know go more out into the world, and you have to to, to cope with. A lot of other people's ideas of how you should behave but yeah i don't i i guess i always think the anger and the the hatred comes the basics of it is just fear fear of 
the unknown fear of not understanding. There's a lot of fear in like more conservative religious faiths that come down hard on people who are LGBTQ for what I grew up in that kind of faith, Catholic, old school. <laughs> and um, so I sort of understand, I, I don't, I, I have a, some understanding of where it comes from, I think, but uh, I don't agree with it at all. And it, it infuriates me that people are not willing to open up their minds and their hearts when they're just human beings <laughs> doing the best they can. But um, yeah, it's, it's I, I believe in fluidity and I don't see why people should have to, unless you want to like state who you are, that's cool too. <laughs> that's all part of it. Uh, but um, I think more, more people than not, more, most people, the majority of people are probably even more fluid in various ways than they, they realize or want to admit to. And I think it's all, it's a good thing because the less boxes and categories you have to squeeze yourself into, the, the richer your life is in general. Yeah, I think you guys, you guys summed it up perfectly. I agree with like everything you get, you said. I uh, I was talking to Jordan about this a little bit. Like I, um, like I said, my family is from Jamaican descent, and not to speak for all Jamaicans, but it's not the most LGBTQ friendly um, country, unfortunately. And I have family members who um, who are they're they're lesbians, and and for a wedding, nobody would come from a good chunk inside of the family because of that and it, I think yeah like you were saying I think a lot of it is fear it's more just like we did they don't get why like they're fine if you want to be if you want to do it but and be in secret but not necessarily they don't get the having to talk about it and I I don't understand why that's a thing and I hope I'm glad that like you guys have been saying that this generation seems to not be willing to make people hide themselves and I love that I love that it's just like people can be whatever they want to be if you want to be a she a they a he it's totally fine and I love that and I think that it, that's the way it should be okay so the next thing that I think we could talk about um and I'm going to skip a few things just for the uh sake of time uh so this book it doesn't really give you all the answers so to anyone who reads it just I don't think we're really spoiling too much here, but just so you know, um, you know, like there's never a, a real explanation for Michael's father who was not in his life. I think that it seems like maybe it goes beyond just um, his culture. It's like he might be mentally ill or something. He's not involved um, in Michael's life. Um, you never, there's never a conversation between Michael and his uncle who was sort of his father figure about his sexuality that is never mentioned. Uh, Michael visits Greece with his mom and his friends. So you sort of get an idea of what that side of the family, how accepting they are of who Michael is, uh, but he never goes to Jamaica. So you never fully see how this would have impacted him and changed his life. So with all of that, why do you think the author, Dean Ada, uh, why do you think he chose to write about the moments that he did? And why do you think he left out the things that he did not? I think he wanted it to be a more positive story and not like the usual stereotypical struggle. Not that that's bad, but I think he wanted, you know, cause I know I, we talk about this a lot with the black literature. It tends to be a lot about like the civil rights movement or about slavery and there's not a lot of black joy, if you will. So I think, I think he picked it because if he'd gone to Jamaica, it probably wouldn't have been as positive of a story. If the father was involved, it probably wouldn't have been as positive of a story. And I think he wanted to just focus on the more, um, yeah, the better aspects of it, I think. 
I, I definitely agree. And I, um, that was actually another thing that I really liked about the book is that it focused on like black boy joy, they say, you know, it, it was, it wasn't so angry. It wasn't from an angry point of view or a really sad point of view. It was just more focused on like, how did he get to this point? And like, it focused on a lot of like really good moments. There were some sad, but just like, you know, it wasn't, so heavy and dark, you know? So yeah, I think that's why the author focused on the parts that he did because of stuff like that. Because, you know, it's easy to find those kind of books, but not as easy to find books that focus on like lighthearted and like just happy moments in your life. Yeah, and I think if he if they brought the father more into the story, it would have totally, it would taken it a completely different direction. I mean, maybe he can write another book that focuses on that. and. In reality, I mean, he he wonders about his dad, but as he gets older, it's that I felt like his his grief or his longing for his father sort of it got it lessened over as he became more sure of himself and had friends and started to realize, you know, maybe this. I mean, maybe I have enough. Maybe like. I, I have the people in my life that support me, like his uncle, for instance, even though he doesn't have like a, a frank conversation with him about his sexuality, but he's obviously loved, you know, he's, he's loved and he's loved back. And there's a, the great scene when it towards the beginning where his uncle comes over with the telescope and they look at the stars. And he also did, I didn't mention this before, but he did a great job and it's very subtle of, because the whole book is from, from, um, Michael's point of view, and he starts off at four at four years old. I think he's nineteen, maybe at the end, of subtly changing the the language so that you believe you're in the body of a young boy growing up. Like his sophistication with language changes, and um, his perspective changes. It, it's really well done. It's very hard to write. I mean, this is written for teens, but it's obviously for adults too. Um, to write from a kid's point of view and and pull it off. It's very difficult because it, it ends up becoming too gloppy and sweet or just it just doesn't isn't convincing, you know, but he does it. So I just wanted to stick that in there. But um yeah, I think I think it was perfect the way it was. <laughs> like you said, it's it's it was it was joyful even though he struggles and uh, he, he has plenty of people there, I, I also like the fact that the the people in his life, even the people like in the beginning where there's the, the fight scene, which is really, oh, God, it like breaks your heart. Like you could see you could see it coming and the way he feels ashamed afterwards because he does punch the kid. Oh, it's so ugh. but it stays with him because that little refrain, the fight, fight, you know, he, he has that fight or flight moments throughout the book. Mm -hmm. yeah. um, but uh he has people who are open to him in his life through throughout. And I, I love that because it's 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 hopeful. And it, I could see like if I were, you know, a 13-year-old kid who's thinking about their own sexuality and maybe nervous about letting anybody know how they were feeling, like reading a book like this would just be so wonderful. It would just make it, it would just give you so much joy and comfort to read a book like this and that's so important because I, I can tell you I mean uh, 
when I was that age, there was no books like this. <laughs> they weren't, they weren't, I, I don't remember ever seeing, uh, uh, especially a YA book that, uh, that had a, a LGBTQ main character. I mean, you could hardly ever find one that even had a woman or a girl <laughs> as a main character, much less this. So it's, it's really great. Yeah. I, I agree with you fully on that. And, and just like to, you know, just to say it again, I mean, the, the writing was so beautiful. He did such a great job. I think that anybody would like this book. It's not just for any one group of people. Um, it, it was just, I don't know, it touched my heart, really did. So, okay. So the thing we want to do, and I think that we'll, we'll wrap up now, sort of. Uh, so Rosemary, so basically everybody who is listening, um, at the end of the book, uh, the main character, Michael, he finally has his drag show. And I don't want to give too much away about how that goes. And I don't want to give too much away about what happens after, but it's at the very end of the book. And it's really, it's great. It's beautiful. I loved it. Um, and then there is an epilogue with a poem, like we mentioned earlier, and Rosemary, um, I think, I think that it'll be great to read it on here because it was really nice. Um, and then maybe after, because uh, this does come out, I think a couple of days before our Pride program. So if you want to just mention um, about that. So if you want to read and do that and then. Okay, I will try to do it justice. I'm not a performer. <laughs> <laughs> um, so it's called, the poem's called How to Come Out as Gay. Don't. Don't come out unless you want to. Don't come out for anyone else's sake. Don't come out because you think society expects you to. Come out for yourself. Come out to yourself. Shout, sing it, softly stutter. Correct those who say they knew before you did. That's not how sexuality works. It's yours to define. Being effeminate doesn't make you gay. Being sensitive doesn't make you gay. Being gay makes you gay. Be a bit gay, be very gay. Be the glitter that shows up in unexpected places. Be typing on WhatsApp, but leave them waiting. Throw a party for yourself, but don't invite anyone else. Invite everyone to your party, but show up late or not at all. If you're unhappy in the closet, but afraid of what's outside, leave the door ajar and call out. If you're happy in the closet for the time being, play dress up until you find the right outfit. Don't worry, it's okay to say you're gay and later exchange it for something else that suits you. Fits, feels better. Watch movies that make it seem a little less scary. Beautiful thing, moonlight. Be Southeast London, a daytime dance floor, his head resting on your shoulder. Be South Beach, Miami, night of water and fire, your head resting on his shoulder. Be the fabric of his shirt, the muscles in his shoulder, your shoulder. Be the bricks, be the sand be the river, be the ocean. Remember your life is not a movie. Except you will be coming out for your whole life. Accept advice from people and sources you trust. If your mother warned you about STDs within minutes of you coming out, try to understand that she loves you and is afraid. If you come out at 15, this is not a badge of honor. It doesn't matter what age you come out. Be a beautiful thing, be the moonlight too, Remember you have the right to be proud. Remember you have the right to be you. Don't you just love it? Oh, I love that. I, when I read that, yeah. it made me cry. Yeah, the first, I, yeah, it's so good. <laughs> oh, and so our, um, our 
Pride Month, special Pride Month program is on June 23rd. It's a Wednesday night at 7 p.m. and it's for teens and adults. It's uh, basically, um, I'm, I'm blanking on what we called it. Inside, 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 inside Rockland Pride, because we were lucky in Nyack to live in a town that has a fantastic, active, righteous pride center and group of people that are out there entertaining and fighting (laughs) all the time to make sure people are treated right. Uh, So we have two members of Rockland Pride who are going to come and talk to us about their programs at the Pride Center. So everyone is welcome. Like I said, teens and adults. And um, yeah, June 23rd. And our next episode is going to be the last one of season one. So thank you, guys, everyone. Who, if anyone, if you've listened to all the episodes, we appreciate it. Um, we've gotten a 10, so that's going to be our 10th episode. Mm-hmm. And it's going to be about library tales. I'm not sure exactly what that's going to look like, but. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I need to be a part of that. Oh my goodness. That's going to be awesome. <laughs> yeah. We're doing it to go along with the summer, the summer reading theme, Tales and Tales. And tales. That is so awesome. I love it. I love it. You guys are great with your ideas. <laughs> and then we're going to take a two month break and be back for season two in October. <laughs> okay. So please follow us on Twitter, Instagram at Nyack Library, Facebook.com backward slash Nyack Library, NyackLibrary.org. YouTube, our YouTube channel is called Nyack Library from Home. And our general email address is info at nyacklibrary.org. Thanks for listening. I'm Rosemary. I'm Tracy. I'm Georgia. And thank you, Morgan, for joining us again. We love having you. Thank you for having me. (laughs) It's fun. It is fun. Um, Okay. So thank you for listening to episode nine of Paper Cut. We will see you next week.